Hi, I'm Alex Jump, and this is Focus on Health, a podcast dedicated to discussing and bringing to light the fundamental issues surrounding health and wellness in the food and beverage industry. This week, my guest is Alex Negranza. While he started his career as a barista in Seattle, he eventually found his way to Houston, where he spent years working for and alongside Bobby Hugel. As he works to open March Restaurant in Houston, he reflects on learning to be a good leader and taking care of his team while not losing the magic we create for the guest experience. Hey everyone, I'm Alex Jump and this is the Focus on Health podcast. Today I have with me Alex Negranza. Hey Alex. Hello. Uh, it's my first time having another Alex on the show. <laughs> I am <Exciting>. so excited. <laughs> um, so Alex, you started your career in the hospitality industry working as a barista in Seattle before moving to Texas. Is that right? Like your was your first job in hospitality in the coffee world? Yeah, it was. I, I kind of fell in love with coffee back in my hometown, actually in California, and had visited Seattle once and just kind of fell in love with it. And then two weeks later, I, I was 18 years old. I packed two duffel bags and had I three, $400 in my bank account, and I moved to Seattle um, and just figured it out. That's awesome. So uh, kind of, you know, needless to say, um, from a, a young age, you took the, you know, the less, uh, the less walked path, the less common path and uh, took chances on yourself and kind of strayed from the normal, the normal route. That's I definitely uh, really... concerned my parents a lot. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, I think that's a, I think that that's, that can often tends to be like a pretty common thread with with us and that work in hospitality or is that we're people that, um, you know, like to challenge like societal norms and uh, what's perceived to be like the normal path of life. And, you know, we're not afraid to kind of peek behind the curtain and, and try things in a different way, um, which makes a lot of other people uncomfortable. (laughs) Yeah, I think a lot of those things too just is is in hospitality there's this sense of selflessness and vulnerability and when you're young and you're on that journey early on in your career um selflessness and being taken advantage of run very similar lines. And so I know that a lot of times my parents are like what are you doing? Like why are you putting so much work into this idea or this company? Like, are they really going to invest back into you? Um, and are you going to be able to reinvest back into yourself? And it's a risk you have to take. And it's it's a, it's a definitely a place of vulnerability. Yeah, you bring up a really good point that, uh, you know, I've we've skirted around in multiple episodes on this podcast now, which is, you know, how to live a life in hospitality and... Um, and give yourself, you know, as service to other people and not lose yourself and uh, definitely taking being taken advantage of is uh, a huge part of that, you know, and um, I've been, I've actually been thinking about that a lot lately, because, you know, in Colorado, we have new labor laws that are going into place that, you know, ensure that everybody gets paid sick leave and things like that. And, um, you know, I'm just thinking about my, my career in hospitality and, the jobs that I've worked where, you know, you don't get 
paid sick leave, certainly not, but you know, you don't get, you don't really get any protection. You don't get healthcare. And um, I've been thinking about it mostly because it's it's been frustrating on a management standpoint to kind of look at these laws and feel frustrated on both sides, both as an employee and as a manager, because they're not written to accommodate not nine to five jobs, right? Like there's so much that, that like, there's a huge disconnect, I guess, that's like when we talk about wanting to protect our people and wanting to protect our industry, like it's almost feels sometimes like the laws haven't been written to like catch up to them. And so even people with the best intentions in ownership or management, like still struggle to kind of like protect their staff when the laws were written really for more, you know, like desk work and like, stuff like that. I don't know. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. And I think it's, it's one of the things that um, I didn't expect when I moved from Seattle to to Houston. You know, I I had, I had known Bobby, and we had kind of done some some things together, um, Bobby Hugel, and I was like, I'm gonna go to this training program everywhere I go in Seattle, like, you know, like I get little bits and pieces of training on how they do this. You know, but there's only so many times I can make an old fashioned a new way. Mm-hmm. I want to start from the ground up. And the promise of Anvil training was something really cool about that. But the thing that I was able to get from Bobby and the reason I stayed with him for five and a half years and grew with that company was because of his constant ability to reflect on what is the right thing to do for the people. Sure, we use these guidelines that were given from, you know, local and state and federal guidelines for how we should treat people, how we should pay people, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, his thing was always like, okay, like we don't need someone to set the minimums. Like we need someone to say like, how high can we go? What's the best thing to do? And how can we treat people and take care of them? And I think that it's, it's a, it's a cool, I, I, I hate the idea of saying that it's a, a trend, but it's a cool thing that we're doing right now in our industry is we're at this sense of, um, self-reflection and retrospect and like what have we gone through like what did we see what are like the long-term benefits of this industry what are the long-term downfalls in health and in um and how we're able to sustain our own careers and our own bodies and our own minds and i think that's a really cool thing that we're able to do and especially with a (laughs) year like 2020 when we were able to really kind of do some uh some gutting uh, even without um, a pandemic, we were able to look at social issues in our community and able to kind of do some gutting. Um, but you, you do bring up a good point that, that that laws and things aren't, they are frustrating. I mean, when I was getting into a lot of my own personal health stuff and focusing on trying to better myself, even talking to my doctor and like trying to figure out ways to live a healthier lifestyle within my industry, the feedback I was getting from him was like, well, if you want to have a healthier, cleaner body, you have to eat every six to eight hours and you have to eat clean. You need to sit down for 15 to 30 minutes and take a break. And I was like, I can't do that. Like, you're not listening you're to like, what oh, I'm ha, saying. Ha, I'm ha, like, you're, so- <laughs> you're, you're telling me to leave my industry. And what I'm telling you is I'm not going to, but let's make the best of this together. And that was really frustrating for me. And I had to change doctors a couple of times until I found someone that really was like listening to me and able to say, okay, I get it. Let's try and do the best that we can you're really striking a chord with me and i'm going to try really hard not to get emotional but i'm like already kind of like tearing up um 
whoo, uh, because I went through, I've been through something very similar, um, you know, this year, actually, like exactly a year ago, I started to have, um, pretty intense pain in my right wrist, um, and was going to acupuncture as like my first step of defense against it. And then pandemic happened and I wasn't working and I was at home and my wrist pain like went away and I was practicing yoga at home and it was great. And sorry, backstory for this. I've practiced yoga for 14 years and it's like a massive part of like my, my personhood. And, um, and, uh, then in the summer when we opened back up, I was bartending full time again and that wrist pain came back, um, you know, three times worse. And, um, I didn't practice yoga for almost six months, uh, because of the pain. And, uh, I actually just went back to my first yoga class today. Um, Amazing. and yeah, but, but I, um, you know, I went to some physical therapists and, you know, didn't feel like anybody like was listening to me. Like, yo, like <laughs> I'm, I'm shaking cocktails like all night long. Like I, you know, it's the same thing. It's like, I don't, I can't sit down. Like, you know, I have guests in front of me. Like I, you know, it's like, how do we, how do we kind of take the lives that we have and like make the world conform to like, to, so that we can have the same things that other people have, you know, like I talked a little bit about that with Laura Louise Green on her episode, but like, you know, it would be cool if there, if our, you know, cities could support, you know, like, places that had like late night yoga or like, you know, whatever, like port, I know Portland, Oregon, there's like yoga studios and, and pole dancing studios that have like midnight one, 2am classes so that people that work in late night industries can still do the things they want to do, you know? And, um, it's so important yeah. um, to have those late night things too. Um, I, the healthiest I ever was, uh, working at Anvil was when I would get cut on a Friday or Saturday and I would always work out after my shifts. You know, I'd work like 12 and a half, 13 hour shifts sometimes. And I'd yeah. get out of work and people would always ask me like, how do you like, how, what are you doing? Why are you going to the gym? It's a Friday to Saturday. And I was like, and I would always tell people like, if you think you're tired at the end of a Friday night, like 13 hour shift, go lift weights. Like push your boundaries. And the other thing about that is that I wouldn't go drink. You know, I wouldn't try and right. like dash to a to a bar to make last call. I would go work out. And if I happened to get out in time to make a last call, I would maybe have a beer, maybe I'd have a whiskey on the rocks, and then I'd go home. Because I worked out, didn't want yeah. to excessively drink, and I was able to take care of my mind and my body. But it you bring up a kind of something interesting that's just, you know, how long can we really do this the volume that our industry demands from us and at the level that that some of us get a bartend at and the volume and and like how long how long can you be in the in the nfl and still be a actually i should not use sports analogies i'm gonna actually retire i should not of all people be using sports analogies for when people should retire out of the pros but like you know maybe i'm like sports Uh, but but no I understand what, yeah I get what you mean like and and that's always been that's been something that kind of was is one of the things that led LP and I to you know starting focus on health was that like I do believe that we can have long lasting healthy careers in the F&B industry and like I believe that you can be a, 
a bartender and and still take care of yourself but the thing that you're mentioning and this was like this looking at my notes this was like my last question for you and I love that we just like found ourselves here already but like it's about learning to have balance and I hope that everybody listening to this episode you know can hear what you're saying about your routine Alex and know that that doesn't necessarily mean that they have to do that but that it means that you found the thing that is great for you you know like I personally like even even when I get out of uh, work in time to go to the gym, I don't necessarily like to go to the gym at night, but I'm a morning person and I know I'm a morning person. Right. So like I know I can make it to the 9 a.m. yoga class so long as I go home and, you know, don't drink a bunch and, you know, get a good night's sleep. So it's like it's not that it's like, oh, I have to go to the gym after work if I'm going to have a balanced life. It's like, no, what what works for you? Like what helps you have balance? Yeah, and I think there's there's a sense of self awareness that you have to really study and focus on, and it has to be a practice that you really believe in, because that that journey to balance is something that you can't necessarily write down. You can't necessarily like really. It's something you feel. Like it's like, are you fulfilled? Are you healthy? Like how like really where are you at and it's a it's really a journey to to work through that dissonance to work through that that challenge and that like that thing until you find the thing that is right and it balances you and i it's it's funny just to, like when we were talking about selflessness early on in, in hospitality and i and i think we have all kind of experienced this sense of, of burnout this year too because we've had to do things that we're not good at or we've had to learn a new skill or we've had to take a big step away from our passions and from the things that fulfill us which for a lot of us is welcoming guests talking to people creating new Mm -hmm. cocktails the the social part just the social part alone like i watched my entire social circle collapse around me and realize how isolated i was in the middle of a pandemic because i had spent my entire Mm. career for the past 10 years looking for opportunities and moving and going to events with other bartenders and, you know, going out for drinks and seeing other bars and every friendship was based around alcohol and being in a, in a social place as a bartender. And then suddenly all bars are closed. In fact, even to this day, all bars in Texas are still closed and they have not been allowed to reopen since March. So it's, it's crazy to, really have been given that perspective and had it forced on me and had to really look at, okay, what is balance in my life? I've been stripped down to this bare personality, which, you know, I love and I've gone on this journey of of self-love and acceptance and wanting to do these things throughout my life. And now I realize um, where, where I can go and how I can truly serve others, how I can truly come from a place of, of hospitality, when it comes to our guests and I, I couldn't be more excited for things to open back up and for us to work through 2021 to bounce back. Yeah. And you bring up a point that I like, I wish people could hear more often from people in our industry. And it's, you know, it's definitely one of my, my goals with this podcast is that I hope people hear this and what, you know, what you said essentially is that like, 
you took this year and you realized that, you know, like in order to continue to like pursue this excellence in our career that we all like, you know, have, we've fallen into this world because, you know, we love taking care of other people and we want to be, you know, excellent. We want to be the best. Um, but like in order to do that, you actually have to, you know, be whole yourself first, right? Like you, you can't continue to pursue being like the best bartender or the best hospitalitarian, like if you can't fulfill your own needs first. Yeah. Yeah. And you got to let it go. You yeah. got to let go. I mean, surely I'll look back on this, you know, years from now and I'll re-listen to this episode and I'll go, wow, like I really thought I was doing something cool, but I was still flawed. I was still doing things the wrong way. And you got to, you got to forgive yourself and, and look at like, where where you thrive and focus on that stuff and you should be growing as a person you you sh- hopefully everyone has had the opportunity to really realize something in their life in 2020 was fixable and they were able to be given the time to fix it and like better themselves and like grow from these opportunities but you got to let go of the bad stuff and 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 move on and just better yourself yeah, absolutely. I hope so too. Um, so you have joined an opening team to open March, um, which is, am I right in that? Is it fine dining? Yeah, so yeah, so the March okay. restaurant is, uh, it is a fine dining restaurant, but we were actually slated to open in late March of 2020. Um, and then on March I think it was March like 11th or 12th, we actually onboarded our full team and started orientation with the entire front of house and back of house team and started our uh, month long training. <laughs> and uh, two days later, we actually had to close everything down because everything in Texas got shut down. So we, we tried to open a couple of times in, in 2020 with, uh, with no success, unfortunately, because we just kept getting shut down uh, as we slowly started to open up in Texas, you know, people messed up and then it was like surge, surge of uh, outbreaks. And so then we had to close down again, but we were mm-hmm. finally able to open it up again for a, just a little preview in the last month or so of December, uh, 2020. And hopefully going to open up in the springtime this year, <laughs> hopefully <laughs> one year later. Yeah. Um, well, I, I wanted to ask, like, you know, we've been, we've really kind of hit on this massive topic, which is one that I feel like so passionate about, which is, you know, taking what we've learned from this year or more like not even what we've learned, but like kind of allowing 2020 to be like a little bit of like a wildfire, like cleanse. Right. And like taking the opportunity of like this massive, like cleanse to fix fundamental issues that we see um, when it comes to leadership specifically. And um, I guess like, you know, you brought up when, when you and I were messaging back and forth um, before this podcast, you know, you brought up the concept of like leaving your shit at the door and stuff like that. And like, I've been thinking about that so much of like, I almost like how working in hospitality for the longest time, I feel like everywhere I was trained, I was basically being trained to like not be a person, right? Like, and it, 
it's like ingrained in you in these little ways where it's like, you're not allowed to walk in the front door, right? You have to walk in the back door. So nobody sees you. Um, and like things like that, where you're like kind of being stripped of your own individuality and your personhood so that you can serve other people. And I guess I wanted to know from you, like what, what within your like leadership model have you been able to reevaluate so that like, as you lead your team at March, that, you know, you can change things that you see that you feel like are issues in our industry. Yeah. I think just, just to take a step back, like the, the leaving your shit at the door thing, I think was something that I was always uncomfortable with. Uh, we all have, like, I understand we all have things that impact us and something that I really realized in uh, 2020 was as a manager and as a, as a, as a leader, you can't do that. You can't ask your staff to, to leave their shit at the door when, you know, occupancy is at 25 or 50%. And, you know, we've had to remove over half our tables and, you know, the people who are dining with us or buying drinks from us are also losing money because their jobs are affected by a global pandemic. And now everyone's income's down and they, you know, we have health insurance for all of our employees, but, you know, if they do get COVID, health insurance doesn't cover them being out for two weeks, you know, and we only have so much PTO we can mm -hmm. give people. And so, like, you have to humanize people. And, you, and 2020 made me realize that, like, it is irresponsible at this moment to tell someone to leave their shit at the door. Like, they're going through family troubles. They can't see some of their family. They're, 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 they're hurting for money. They can't pay their rent or they can't, you, you know, work on things like everyone's affected by these things and so um one of the things i just kind of realized was just focusing more on empathy and compassion and when it comes to one of the things that i hope to achieve in in 2021 not through necessarily my role at march and and being a leader but just the journey that i hope to really pursue as a hospitality professional is to really put myself second. And sometimes that does require people not seeing you. And sometimes it's okay to go into the back door so that your entrance isn't a distraction to someone catching up. And I, I think that one of the restaurants that really inspires me about this is, is in Seattle. It's a restaurant called Canlis. Uh, they've been around for 70 or so mm -hmm. years They're run by Mark and Brian Canlis. They're third generation owners. And uh, I, I really believe it's the most special place that I've ever been. And I constantly go back and it constantly is like, yep, you're right, Alex. It is the most special place you've ever been. And it never fails to be that. And I couldn't tell you the dishes that I've ever had there. I mean, there's some that I've had multiple times. I could be like, oh yeah, I know the canless salad or the prawns or whatever it might be. But I can tell you every single person that I've had dinner with there with. And I've probably been there 20 times. And I can tell mm -hmm. you what it meant and what happened that night and why we were there. Was it was it casual? Were we catching up? Was I in town? Was I living there? Did we fly there together? Like I can tell you everything about the experience I shared with someone. And I think that in hospitality, like when you're able to focus on what you can let people experience with each other and not experience with you, it's it's something that I think is is really, really special. And ultimately people go to to find dining restaurants not because they're hungry it's because they want to experience something 
and they're giving you this this opportunity yeah. to give them that experience. And the backside of that with with bars is that when you I've used to say this to some of my early trainees um, at one of my bars, but people go to you as a bartender for happy hour, for late night, for whatever, to give them money to, they're sorry, they're going to give you money to give them a substance that's going to put them in a better place. They've walked in the door knowing, even if they're in a really crappy mood, that they're going to have a shot of whiskey or a shot of tequila because they're in a shitty mood, Right. And if your interaction in that mm-hmm. that guest experience of someone giving you money to give them a product to make them happier, if your interaction puts them in a worse mood, you failed that person as a bartender. And you failed to recognize like what they're really giving you isn't money, but an opportunity to be taken care of. And you have to like recognize that and be like, yeah, you want a Long Island? Sure. Long Island. Like, you want a dirty martini? Love it. I love that you know exactly what you want, and I'm totally cool. Even though I'm a cocktail bar, I'm totally cool giving you brine and vodka and this. And, like, there's this sense of um, a lot of times in bars where you have to come and enjoy the thing that I have to offer you as opposed to how can I offer you the thing that you want to enjoy. Yeah. Yeah. We, um, I have this like memory of maybe, I don't know, like three to four months before closure, we had an all staff meeting at death and co. And, um, and we had this chat with the staff where it was like, how do we, how do we keep the mundane away? Like we do our job every night, making old fashions, make a million of them every night made you know that the vodka drink on the menu fucking tired of it made it a million times like but i've made that drink a million times but the guest in front of me whatever the drink is like they're stoked to be getting that drink like that's the drink they want they're super psyched to have it maybe they've never had it before maybe they've had it a million times and that's their favorite fucking drink and like that's what they like that's will like you know satiate every like ounce of their being like so like just because you've done something a million times and it's mundane to you like it's not to your guests right so like how do we how do we like create moments of joy in the everyday stuff like the stuff that we're tired of doing or the stuff that we think yeah, is boring absolutely. right 100%. yeah um okay i had i have one more question for you before okay. we wrap it up um it's really funny. We've like, we've worked like backwards on my like little interview page. Like we started with like my last question and we're like moving up to my first question, which I think is really funny. <laughs> um, so um, I, you know, we've, we've been acquaintances for a while, you know, known each other through the industry, you know, likely been in the same room a couple of times, um, but aren't, you know, like super close. Um but I feel in a lot of ways, like very connected to you because I feel like we're very similar souls in a lot of way. And, you know, you seem incredibly goal oriented and a driven person who isn't afraid to go after what you want to achieve. Um, and one thing that I feel very connected to you personally about is like your career growth at such a young age. Um, and when I was talking with some of my friends about you and I's interview coming up, um, 
one thing that came up was how hospitality professionals handle the transition from working in a guest facing role to working like in a more managerial role. Um, because a lot of us go through that, you know, either abruptly or younger in our career than, than maybe we would assume would happen. Um, and as we move up the ladder in work, I think a lot of us don't really realize how drastic of a change that can be. Um, and you don't anticipate the like different level of emotional labor involved because like you're no longer managing as much of your guest experience, not like face to face guest experience at least, but you're like managing your employees and their experience and like so much that goes into that. And I'd love to just hear from you, like, how was that transition for you? Do you feel like it was really easy? Were you were you met with a sense of relief at that change or was it unexpected and difficult um, or, or none of the, the above? It was the difficult thing I think I've had to do in my career. And I think that it mm -hmm. was anyone who worked for me during that time, I think they would all say that, like, that they know that. I think that they, the, the people I had the privilege of trying to lead during that transition were so forgiving and, and so patient with me because I was not good at that. And I, I think that that is something that like, I, I had to definitely come to terms with and I, I fought it because I, you know, I had gotten these awards. I mean, even when I was going through being a director of operations for, you know, three or four Bobby's bars and then opening up a, an all day cafe and wine bar with him, as you know one of his partners at the time like i was still you know i got a wine enthusiast award for 40 under 40 and i felt so shameful of it because i wasn't a bartender i was like filling in for people that i had to fire because i either mismanaged them or i, I hired them and i didn't see the red flags and i let my team down that way and it's, it's really difficult because you're right. Like the, the problems that you experience when you're a bartender or even just a bar manager, not who's still bartending a majority of their hours a week. What you don't realize is that the problems you experience are quickly remedied by a free cocktail, a shot, a smile, something, something easy, mm -hmm. something that's minimal cost to everyone and it just disappears. But when mm -hmm. you're, when you're a manager, when you're a director, when you're a whatever, you are, you really have to listen to what your staff is telling you and listen to like what they, what they're saying, not just to you and to each other, but like, what are they, what are they saying? And what are they trying to say? What are they trying to communicate to you that they need? because that's what they want. They, they, they want to give you feedback to help them be better and to help them, whether it's happier, mm -hmm. whether it's more, more income and a higher profit, like whether it's your business partners, your purveyors, like you have to manage all these relationships and personalities and you don't always want to, and you can't leave them. And it's, it's emotionally exhausting. And, you know, I would see these moments in my life where I would have this break from, 
it's not a break from reality, but I would like be like, all right, I'm going to go and like, I'm going to go on just like a bender like for a day. And like, I'm going to get out of town mm-hmm. and I'm going to go on a bender. Or I would do the opposite and I would, you know, drive to a, a, a state park in Texas and I would take the day to be um, still. And I had these drastic swings mm-hmm. in my life because I was trying to manage what people needed and both were needed. You know, I needed those moments of stillness to focus on myself. And I needed those moments of just drinking because everyone had a problem and I couldn't deal with it all right then, but it was going to keep me up at night or it was going to stress me out or it was going to ruin my, my whatever. And so it's, it's hard. It's really hard. And it's, I admire the people in my life and the people that I get to look around in our industry who do it really well. The people who continue to inspire people and the people who continue to come from a place of saying like, yeah, I sucked. I'm sorry. I sucked. We're getting better. Like I, it's yeah, that, that whole part was very, very difficult for me. Yeah. I appreciate your uh, vulnerability and willingness to, uh, to say that that's, you know, that takes a lot of no, strength. Um, yeah, no one, and no I one totally to understand the, the um, ugly side of that, but I will say on, on like a, like a positive note, the cool thing about that whole relationship and, about that journey was that I, I needed to go through that journey. I needed to go through that and be like, okay, not what you're good at. <laughs> what are you going to do now? <laughs> right. And it's, it's okay. It's okay to not be good at something yeah. and go, this isn't for me, but there's a difference between not wanting to take on a challenge and not wanting to, um, not wanting to do the hard thing. And then, there's a, there's a difference between that and then also running away from something. And what I realized is that I wanted to take on that yeah. challenge, but I needed to do it in a different way, you know? And in this new, in this new kind of era, I, I don't want to say era, this new chapter in my, my, my life in general, but also in my career, you know, knowing what I'm good at and knowing what makes me happy is important. You know, bartending so little isn't fulfilling to me. What's fulfilling to me is getting to work alongside my coworkers and some of the staff I get to manage to go through the weeds with them. Not like, what do you need? Can I get you ice? Do I, can I help you? Like, I got it. Like I got, I got you another bottle. Like what's happening with this table. Let me go manage that. But like, Hey, we're going to make drinks together. We're going to have fun. Like I want to go through those things. I want to, I want to, see the smile on the guest face because we put so much work into the logistics to partnerships with with brands to marketing to instagram to meetings to critical path things with our entire company to like you know quarterly projection like we have all this planning and stuff and then we get so close to that finish line and then i don't get to be on the floor to watch the team cross the finish line of this idea which is make people happy and so if you know how to control that and you know how to manage your time and have the conversations with your employers to be like, Hey, it's really important to me that I, that I get to see that. Or, Hey, I only want to work on growing big ideas. And like, I'm not too concerned about, you know, whether or not table 17 actually got a dirty Manhattan or a dirty martini 
Dirty Manhattan, people. Trends of 20, <laughs> 2021. You heard 2021. Your but like whether or not someone got a dirty martini with ice, you know, ice crystals on top or not. Like it's that's some people don't care about that, and that's okay. Um, just know what you're good at, and know how your management style plays into those around you. Yeah, totally. All comes back to like knowing yourself and having balance, right? And being in tune with who you are so that you can be a better a better leader or bartender or server or dishwasher. Yeah, I definitely am whatever. someone who likes to romanticize the possibilities in the hospitality industry. Um, I think a lot of my, my friends that get to hear some of these ideas that I have every once in a while, all these rants I have, just to kind of work through concepts would would say that i romanticize the guest experience a lot but i you do have to know yourself to be able to give yourself to others and to serve others and it's okay if you're not there yet as a person like it's okay to like you shouldn't rush that you know it's it's, if you're on this journey and you're new to it and you're just now getting into mindfulness or just realizing that there's something that is uneasy about your job or your career or like about your work or whatever you don't have to rush into the next thing and make these drastic changes like you get to take the time to to make those changes in yourself and develop yourself and and focus on the craft that is building you and making it the best thing you can so i mean if anyone's listening to this and they're just starting that journey or they are like, this guy is crazy. He's like, he's way out there romanticizing all these different things. Like, what are you talking about? Like, it's, it's okay. Like we're all on our own little paths and if that's not yours, it's not yours. And if you're just beginning, you've got a wonderful journey ahead of you. Yeah. Boy, that's a really great way to kind of wrap that up. I love that. Um, so I like to end the podcast with one, uh, <laughs> fun question. So, um, if you could be anywhere in the world having something to drink right now, what would you be drinking and where? Wow. Um, I would be, I would be somewhere in the Pacific Northwest um, and I would be drinking a bottle of Domaine Tempier Bandol Rosé. Yes, I was just talking about that wine a couple of days ago. Man, um, I would probably follow you to the Pacific Northwest, but I would would go to the Clear Creek Distillery and. I will say I have, have been a little keeping, brandy. Uh, I've been listening to various podcasts and things that um, you and Alex and Dave have been doing throughout the year. And I, there, I remember that there was one talking to, to Alex and y'all were talking about pear brandies and uh, that it's <laughs> Alex's life mm-hmm. water. Um, but we, we, we have a cocktail yeah. on you at, at March that is uses Clear Creek pear brandy and i have been keeping a bottle in my freezer at home and i've recently started uh putting shots in the freezer 
at the beginning of my shifts, so at the end of my shifts, are cold. Uh, and it has been amazing. I've been drinking pear brandy highballs, uh, and it's been absolutely it's I it's been absolutely. Oh yes. Yeah, we um yeah our our Clear Creek pear brandy at the bar is actually always in the freezer. Um, it it lives in the reach in freezer. Um, so like if you have to make a drink with it, you just pull it out of the freezer. Um, and we call uh, shots of brandy uh, tough boys that. or hard boys, <laughs> um, tough guys. <laughs> you'll you'll catch that in the new the new Duff and Co book they're working on with the new lexicon. Oh, yes. you listed in there. <laughs> But yeah, that's uh, it's definitely our life water. Um, yeah. Um, well, thank you so much for spending some time with me and chatting. This episode was brought to you by our wonderful sponsor, Most Imaginative Bartender. To learn more about the Most Imaginative Bartender competition and the Canvas Project, go to mostimaginativebartender.punchdrink.com. Make sure to tune in every Monday for new episodes of Focus on Health, and don't miss No Proof with Joshua Gandy every other Wednesday.